Cloudy and cooler with showers, kind of a drizzle. Look for a high in the upper 60s. More of the same on Monday. I'm CBS 21 meteorologist Tom Russell. 80 now at WHP. The following program only, and its host, Tim Decker, recommends that you always seek competent professional guidance for financial, legal, and tax advice, as everyone's specific needs are unique. WHP Talk Radio 580 now presents Financial Freedom with Tim Decker from ISI Financial Group. A full hour of sleep well at night financial guidance from an experienced financial advisor. Talking about This is your financial show, Central PA. Financial Freedom on WHP Talk Radio You can always email me, and if you would like to email me live, you can email me via ffradio at comcast.net. That's ff, as in financial freedom, radio at comcast.net, ffradio at comcast.net. Well, we had some uh, pretty exciting news relative to what's going on in the economy. Unemployment rates dropped to 3.8% this past week. That is the lowest that we have seen since 2000. Jobs jumped. Uh, the consensus was for about 190,000 new jobs added. We actually saw that number up around 223,000. So the economy is staying along here. 
And the next thing that you're going to start hearing the media talk about, because they always, always have to find something to give you cause for worry. So the next thing that you're going to start hearing more of, and you heard it here, is the I word. I word being inflation. Because without a strong economy, inflation is going to be non-existent. However, when you do have an economy where things are getting stronger and stronger and stronger, then the immediate concern becomes inflation. However, however, some inflation is not a bad thing. Because when you think about it, how how that evolves is when companies are doing well and their profits continue to increase and the demand in, increases for their goods, that allows them to increase prices, thus inflation. So some inflation is not a bad thing. Now, inflation that gets out of hand, that can have a major, major negative impact. I mean, all we have to do is go back and look at the late 70s, early 80s. Many of you have thought and you've heard many others say, gosh, I wish for those days of uh, 15% money market rates and high CD rates. However, there were several years there that although rates being paid on CDs and money markets were definitely double digits, Did you know that when you look at what inflation was and you subtract inflation from the nominal rates that you were receiving on those interest-paying instruments, that there were years that the net real return, that's your return after accounting for inflation, that the returns were actually zero? That's right. So it's, it's... Not a bad thing to have some inflation, but what you have to be very cognizant of is that you need to make sure that in your portfolios that you have diversification in such a beautiful way that when we eventually do see some stronger signs of inflation, that you will not be caught off guard and that indeed your portfolio is designed in such a way that it can not only absorb it, but can actually uh, benefit from it in the long run. Do you know what one of the hands-down, long-term best inflation hedges is? Well, I can tell you what it's not. It's not gold. In fact, if you look long-term, going back to the 1800s, gold barely even kept up with inflation. It has not been a good inflation hedge. The best long-term inflation hedge that we have on record is a beautiful, beautiful diversified portfolio of stocks representing some of the greatest companies in the world. So it's important. It's important that you have developed and that you know how your portfolio will react when we do have signs of inflation. But until that takes place, remember, you heard it here, be prepared for the sounding alarm on TV shows, 
on radio shows and articles, and you're going to start hearing them talk about inflation. Because, again, the media's job is to get your attention. And nothing gets people's attention more than fear. So they're always, they're always going to find something to give you cause for concern in an effort to capture your attention because at the, the end of the day, their objective is not your financial well-being. Their objective is one thing and one thing only, and that is to sell magazines, to get ratings for their television shows, and the only way that happens is by doing whatever needs to be done to capture your attention. Okay, we're going to take our first break. When we come back, we will pick right back up. And, again, if you have any questions about your investments, IRAs, 401Ks, Roth IRAs, mutual funds, ETFs, municipal bonds, uh, insurance, annuities, again, if it's important to you, I'd love to hear from you, and I will do my very best to offer you straightforward, non-biased advice. You can reach me here at 717-540-0580. That's 717-540-Bulk.com. That's LCLBulk.com. We never keep you hanging. News 24-7. of our listeners, uh, let's just talk briefly about what this new concept is that Vanguard recently has rolled out uh, with their multi-factor funds and ETFs and uh, what their what their objectives are. Um, just just a little lesson here from the world of academics um, will help everyone out here. Um, many years ago, uh, there were some academics. Uh, the most well-known is someone by the name of Eugene Fama and his colleague, Ken French. And in their studies, they went back and they looked at all of the different factors relative to stock market performance in the long term. They looked at value stocks. They looked at large company growth stocks. They looked at large company value stocks. They looked at small company value stocks. And what they determined in the data is that over many, many years, that smaller company stocks have had a premium or have had a higher return than large company stocks, and that value stocks have had a higher return or a premium over growth stocks. And what evolved out of this is a development of some excellent, excellent mutual funds that are institutional funds and the formation of a company called Dimensional Fund Advisors. And the, the, the fund family all is based upon this academic research, and it continues to involve and uh, uh, grow over and over. Well, recently, Vanguard has wanted to get some exposure and, and, and offer some products that also provide uh, some broad diversification in the world of these factors. Again, the factors, the most common ones are 
small versus large, value versus growth, and also there's been some research done on momentum as well as higher profitability stocks. So recently Vanguard has rolled these out in an attempt uh, to obviously compete with some of these other fund families out there like Dimensional um, as well as you may have heard that there are uh, in recent years, there's been a term uh, rolled out called smart beta, and it sounds really intriguing and you know, exciting. And that was nothing more than an attempt of using these different factors as well in an attempt to add some additional return. So my thoughts. My thoughts are very simple. We do not know what the future holds. We do not know whether small cap stocks are going to continue to outperform large cap. We don't know if value is going to continue to outperform growth. We don't know if U.S. is going to outperform international. And as a result, what I've always been a very firm believer in is if you approach your investing and if you approach the development of your portfolio from a basis of humility that humility by default is going to lead you to automatically saying i have no clue nor does anyone else know where the premiums or where the outperformance or where the best performance is going to lie over the next 5 10 30 50 years and because I don't know, and because no one else knows, the best thing to do, which has always been the best thing to do, is to diversify. And so I am a huge proponent of multi-factor investing, but not for the reason that I believe you should rely on or that you should expect that small is is going to outperform is going to outperform large or value is going to outperform growth or momentum stocks are going to outperform those that don't have momentum or higher profitability are always going to outperform those that um, are not as profitable or dividend stocks are going to outperform those that don't. I have no idea. And you know what? No one else does either. And all of this research that looks back can identify what has the higher premium, what factors have had the biggest impact. But always remember, the past does not necessarily equal the future as it pertains to trying to identify in advance what different sectors, what different types of stocks are going to outperform the markets. So the best way to address this and the best way to make sure that you capture those returns wherever they are is diversification. So by building a multi-factor portfolio, which is something that we've always done for our clients and something we continue to do, it should always include some large company stocks, some small, some value, some growth, some international, some developed international, some emerging markets, some exposure to some real estate investment trusts via mutual funds. So 
in summary, I am a fan of multi-factor investing, but not because I believe it's going to necessarily lead to outperformance of the broad markets per se, but because it leads to diversification. And what we know is diversification is going to assure that you'll never make a killing, but most important, it's going to make sure that you never get killed. So, Mike, I hope that helps. Um, yes, I would strongly re recommend um, that you include a broad array of size, value, and uh, and other types of investments, but do it with the objective of wanting broad diversification. Do not set yourself up for false expectations that by tilting more towards small or value or profitability that you're going to automatically capture uh, those factors or those premiums that have in the past shown signs of outperformance. They might, but they might not. Bottom line is I nor you do not know for sure. And if you were to talk with Eugene Fama and Ken French, who I have had the uh, had the fortune to be able to speak with them both uh, several times in the past, they would tell you the exact same thing. And in fact, over the last 10 years, looking up to where we're at right now, value stocks in general have underperformed growth stocks. So my suggestion is own them both have a objective, non-emotional process in place where you automatically rebalance as needed, and that way you're going to have exposure and be able to capture the premiums wherever they are. Okay, before we go to the break, I just want to share with you that when we come back, um, I'm going to share with you three different scenarios that I've had with new clients over the last three to four weeks. There are some lessons from my meeting with these new clients, and I want to share that with you in the hopes that you also can learn from the experiences that I had uh, with them. Okay, we're going to go to our next break. When we come back, we will pick right back up. And, again, if you have anything, anything at all you'd like to uh, ask of me, don't be shy. You can reach me at 717-540-0580. That's 717-540-0580 or toll-free. It's 800-724-5801. Well, that means cloudy and cooler with showers, kind of a drizzle. Look for a high in the upper 60s. More of the same on Monday. I'm CBS 21, meteorologist. Uh, be sure to go to our website and sign up for our free e newsletter. It's called Insights and Education, and all you have to do is go to our website. It's isifinancialgroup.com. That's isifinancialgroup.com, and we send something out at least monthly. We just uh, sent out last week our video blog. Uh, we usually send something out monthly, typically about three to four minutes long, and uh, you'll receive that as well as some occasional articles uh, that either I write or other articles that I uh, find that I think are going to be helpful to you in helping you make wise financial 
decisions. Again, our website is isdifinancialgroup.com, and right there at the home page, uh, if you scroll down towards the bottom of the page, you'll be able to sign up for, for that. We have lots of other uh, helpful tools on the website, a lot of articles that I've written in the past, uh, columns that I've written for the Central Penn Business uh, Journal, Harrisburg Patriot News, as well as uh, you can also listen to past podcasts of the radio show here as well. Okay, before the break, I had mentioned that I wanted to share with you some recent appointments that I've had in the office with some new uh, some new clients and the experiences that uh, uh, took place as a result of that and those those appointments. First one is about a week and a half ago. I had a lady in our office, um, and in her house, she's the one that handles all of the finances, not the husband. And it's often that one of the spouses is more heavily involved with handling finances, any investing that they're doing, et cetera. Well, in this case, it was the wife. She came in, and she wanted to get my help and my assistance on evaluating what she currently has, what her and her husband have as she's looking at retiring uh, in about a month. Well, what I discovered was she had a holding of about $240,000 in one single company stock. Well, for those of you who have been listeners to this program over the years, you know that, first of all, I never, ever recommend buying individual stocks. And the reason for that is quite simple. The evidence, not my opinion, but the clear evidence and the research and the academia have shown that trying to pick individual stocks in an effort to outperform something as simple as a broadly diversified index fund is a long shot. In fact, you may recall I had shared with you in the past that there was a professor uh, in the last couple of years, his name was Hendrik Bessembinder, out of uh, Arizona State University, did some excellent, excellent research. And what his research showed is that if you go back all the way uh, over the past 90 years up through 2017 and you look at the total returns of the stock market and then you go and you look at all of the stocks that were publicly listed and available to invest in during that 90-year time period, Professor Bessenbinder's research showed that of the 9 to 10% average annual compound returns that the stock market provided over that 90-year time period, less than 4% of all of the stocks listed accounted for those total returns of about 9 to 10%, which means more than 96% of all of the other stocks in aggregate did not perform even with 
what the markets themselves did. So, I mean, it's it's pretty obvious that when you got less than a four percent chance, at least from from a historical standpoint, of picking stocks that are going to outperform what you could capture by just owning a beautiful diversified portfolio of either institutional asset class funds or second best generic index funds, why would you subject yourself to the risk of trying to pick individual stocks? Well, the only reason is um, is you have been led to believe that you can reliably or that somebody else can reliably outperform the markets by picking stocks. But by choosing to believe that, you also are either ignorant as it relates to what the evidence and history has shown, or you're not aware of it. So when I met with this woman, suffice to say, um, having that much comp- having that much money in one single company stock uh, was something that I strongly, strongly urged her to talk to her tax advisor and let's come up with a way that she can wind down her holdings in that, but obviously do it in a way that she's going to be aware of what, you know, what the tax impact uh, is going to be. Because as I explained to her, any gains that she has in that single company stock, the only way that she's going to avoid paying taxes on that is if she dies and it's passed on to her heirs. And then obviously under current tax law, they would get the stepped up, basis and not have to pay taxes on it, or the only other way that she's not going to have to pay taxes on it is if all of a sudden the value of the stock drops sharply and the value becomes less than what her cost is. So when when, when we started discussing this, I, I witnessed something that unfortunately I've witnessed on n- numerous times in the past when helping individuals. There there wasn't an emotional attachment to this stock. It's a stock, if I recall, that she had inherited from a grandfather, and she had owned it for many, many years, and thus the sentimental attachment of her grandfather was linked to this stock. Well, I gently reminded her that, you know, you don't ever want to fall in love with something that cannot love you back. And when it comes to things, whether it's a car, whether it's an individual stock, they they don't have any sentimental feelings towards you. So long story short, she got the message, and the great news is she we are going to come up with a game plan in conjunction with all of her other investments. Uh, she had about, uh, I think her husband had about a million four in investments. So we're going to be helping them construct and build a nice, beautiful, diversified portfolio. And in transitioning out of a lot of the things that she has and transitioning into portfolio that's going to be low cost, broadly diversified, et cetera, we are going to be unwinding that large position in that single company stock. So I wanted to 
share that with you because I see it often. Not only do I see, unfortunately, when I have met with many, many people over the many years that I have been an advisor, many individuals own individual stocks. Either either you purchase them on your own or, worse yet, you pay some broker or some financial advisor who has unfortunately led you to believe that they or a money manager that they have access to are going to be able to pick all these individual stocks, and as a result, you're going to be able to outperform the markets. Because why else would you buy individual stocks other than thinking that you're going to be able to outperform the indexes when you could just buy a good index fund? Lest I remind you, uh, it was last year, I believe it wrapped up last year, that you may remember Warren Buffett made a bet with another money manager, and the bet was that Buffett would put his money in a simple index fund and would hold it for 10 years, and he bet this manager that that manager could put his money in whatever hedge funds or whatever he wanted to and make a long story short, the 10 years ending, and again, I believe it was last year in 2017, uh, the index fund that Buffett owned trounced like three to four times as much trounced the uh, sophisticated hedge fund manager's choices, and as a result, Buffett won the bet, and he was able to have this other individual make a large donation to the charity of Buffett's Choice, which was, I believe, the uh, boys' club or boys' school in Omaha, Nebraska. So anyway, message there is, and, and the lesson is, don't try to pick individual stocks. I know you hear radio shows. I know you hear television shows. You hear Kramer on television talking about, oh, you should buy this stock because this sector looks good. It looks good. This stock is going to, you know, is set to outperform, sell this one. I'm telling you, all that stuff is speculating, gambling. And when you go back and you look at the actual results of these managers that are trying to pick these individual stocks and people that you pay to do it for you, the vast majority, the vast majority underperform simple low-cost indexes. Okay, we're going to take our last break. When we come back, we would have time for a call. If anyone has anything they'd like to ask of me, you can reach me at 717-540-0580, 717-540-0580. The hundreds and thousands of radio stations that are available on it or just by putting in your favorite artist and having it create a station for you. This woman and her husband that uh, had a significant concentrated position in uh, individual stock. Another new client that we met, met with, uh, and this is this happens a lot where we have people come in and they just want a second opinion. Either they're they're trying to handle their investments on their own or they're working with another advisor or 
broker and they just want a second set of eyes from someone that they know is a fee-only advisor who has nothing to sell. And um, so this gentleman and his wife both came in um, and pulled out 10 pages worth of brokerage statements from a well-known brokerage firm and wanted my thoughts on it. Well, the first thing that I always ask is, before I can tell you my thoughts on this, share with me what the overall objectives are and what what was the driving force between or, or, or not behind what led you to invest in whatever these investments are. And more times than not, and this is what the – response was that I received from this gentleman and his wife, it was, well, you know, we want to want to make some money. Well, okay, that's nice and that's good, but that is not a specific objective. I mean, you can make money by throwing it all uh, in a money market account. You can make money by putting it in a CD. So it's it's important to really know what the objectives are. And then that, that led to the next thing that I always ask is, did you develop, with the help of this broker, of your advisor, a detailed, goal-oriented financial plan? Well, here's what, here's what we did. And they pulled out some more sheets of paper, and essentially what they were were nothing more than hypothetical illustrations of the money managers that they had sold them on that were going to be able to pick all these investments in, in, in individual stocks and ETFs and, and mutual funds. Well, long story short, they had a what I refer to as a hodgepodge of investments. They had some individual stocks. They had some individual bonds. They had some ETFs. They had some mutual funds. They had a mishmash of all these investments. And the mutual funds were from several different mutual fund families. The ETFs, they had some high-yield junk bond fund. ETFs, they had some leveraged ETFs. Uh, They had some actively managed, expensive mutual funds. And my, my advice to them was, since you have no plan that led to what you own, and because you shared with me that you have no objective rules-based process guiding what you will sell when you sell it, what you will buy and when you buy it, and essentially you've just given a discretion to this advisor and ultimately hope that it's going to work out okay, I would highly recommend that you put a pause on any more buying and selling, back up, get together with a fee-only financial advisor. It can be us, but it doesn't have to be. You can find someone else. It doesn't matter to me. But you really need to develop a relationship, not with an advisor and a broker who is a non-fiduciary, who represents the company that they work for, 
and is not paid by you and you alone on a fee-only arrangement, but to find an advisor that can help you start with a plan. Find out what your goals are. You know, When do you want to retire? How much are you going to need to retire on? How much do you want to plan for travel and vacation? You know, what about charitable gifts to your church or or whatever? All of those goals need to be outlined and then put together a plan. And then once you have that plan, then build a portfolio that is designed around that plan. As I often say, the portfolio needs to be the servant of the plan. So if you don't have a plan, how are you going to know if your portfolio is structured the way it should be. So reason that I wanted to share this with you is many of you out there, many, many, many of you out there have a collection of investments. You own some of this, you own some of that, you have uh, some stocks and some funds in your IRA, you have some different investments in your Roth IRA, you have a joint account, you have a 401k account, but you don't have a plan that incorporates and, and, and combines all that together in the plan so that each of these accounts complement each other. And that is very, very important. Otherwise, you're going to end up having overlap. You're going to own some of the same things in this account as you do here. Uh, it's going to add to your costs. It's going to uh, add to your taxes. So there are there are a lot of things that if it's done properly that can significantly add to your bottom line returns without taking any risk just by saving on expenses, taxes, and having proper allocations of your entire household and your accounts complementing each other. Otherwise, you're going to end up with what I see many times as I saw with this uh, individual here you end up with a hodgepodge some of this some of that and and it really really could be confusing and uh you can end up taking on more risk than what you actually need well there's the music that means we gotta wind it down i want to thank you for joining us and uh i will be with you again next saturday from who knows? We are on the road, but uh, I'll be with you, and I wish all of you an awesome weekend. Be safe.